Well, hello, and welcome to the More Than Sunday podcast. I'm Chris, and we're thrilled that you have joined us today. Here in season two of the podcast, we're talking with people who are leading the Equipped Adult Education Ministry this fall. And today we're joined by Dr. Tracy McKenzie, who is the Art Holmes Chair of Faith and Learning. That name, Art Holmes, may be familiar to many of you who knew Art and Alice Holmes for a bunch of years here at First Pres. And we are super excited to be talking about this upcoming class. So Tracy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Chris. I'm looking forward to being with the group. So Tracy, tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about your work. Tell us about your journey to Wheaton College and how it is that you find yourself in that podcasting chair this morning. Oh, Chris, as you've already introduced me, I um, now am a professor at Wheaton College. Uh, I'm actually in my 35th year, which is hard for me to believe. Uh, I started out at the University of Washington in Seattle, a very different kind of place, and uh, had the opportunity about uh, 12 and a half years ago to come to, to Wheaton College. I had long wanted to be part of a Christian institution, uh, and the Lord finally opened that door. Uh, I teach on U.S. history uh, at the college, uh, and I'm particularly interested in my research uh, in helping Christians uh, remember uh, our past um, faithfully. I did not know you had a history at the University of Washington. My wife and I were actually both on staff at University Press there, and uh, I spent a lot of time in the U District, so you and I can probably talk about some Thai places uh, <laughs> after the podcast. Hey, we're so grateful to have you teaching this upcoming class. Tell us just a bit about what the class is about and why the topic interests you. So the class is going to be a two-parter, uh, and this is sort of the way I would conceive how we'll divide it. We'll start by uh, trying to learn about the pilgrims. So we'll just ask some really basic questions. Uh, who were these folks? Uh, what motivated them to come to New England? Uh, what really happened at that celebration uh, in the fall of 1621? Uh, we'll even broach that big question that everyone wants to know, uh, what did they have to eat? Uh, but then in part two, we'll be uh, shifting our focus. The question becomes not what can we learn about them, but what can we learn from them? Uh, and one of the things I'm really uh, impressed by, have been impressed by as I've studied them, is there's so many ways uh, in which they differ from us. Their thought is really strange, but when we take it seriously and wrestle with it, uh, I think it can be really convicting and challenging to us. Okay, I have to know, as an expert in the first Thanksgiving, when you're watching commercials, when you're seeing Thanksgiving being taught in schools, when you see the sort of uh, cliche narrative of what that first Thanksgiving was, what drives you crazy? What do you look at? And you just tear your hair out and say, that's not what happened, guys. You know, there's just all kinds of um, myths that have uh, emerged in. And largely, I, I joke with my students, we really don't study um, the pilgrims or the first Thanksgiving after about third grade. So we sort of live the rest of our adult lives with a third grade understanding. So we create these uh, buffoon sorts of characters with these enormous silver buckles and these blunderbusses. Uh, and um, if, if you go to, a, if you go to a, a greeting card section of your grocery store and look for Thanksgiving cards, if they ever have images of the pilgrims, uh, it'll actually be a, a cute dog or cat wearing a pilgrim hat uh, or a little kid. We just don't take them seriously, and, and, and that's what drives me crazy. Did they have buckles on their hats? They did not have buckles on their hats, actually. Yeah, buckles were actually a, a mark of uh, wealth. Uh, and so these were common folks. They did not have silver buckles. So if a kid comes to your front door on October 31st, 
rings the bell. He's all excited for Halloween. He's got his bag ready to go, and he's dressed as a uh, classical buckled hat pilgrim. Are, are you giving him candy or not? Oh, I'll give him lots of candy, and I'll say what my mother used to say, bless your heart, which was her sign of, uh, our, I'm so sorry for you, but you can't help it. He's been the subject of uh, uh, ignorant uh, teachers or parents. Okay, so tell me some of what draws you to this story and to these people and to this event as something that's worthy of our time and reflection. Well, the reason I really have spent a lot of time um, thinking and writing about the pilgrims this will surprise you maybe, it's not because of the significance of the event per se, but really is my own sense of calling. I, I really want to be in conversation with Christians about how to remember our past, as I put it before, faithfully in, in a way that enhances and enriches our journey as Christ followers. Uh, and I think it's perfect for that. If you think about the first Thanksgiving, it's a historical event. It's an event to which we impute religious significance but it's actually not a religious holiday. It's actually stipulated by the state. Uh, and so it, it interweaves these um, important parts of our identity, uh, our national heritage, our religious heritage, in the way that we think about the past. And it's all just neatly interrelated in one story. And, and I think by revisiting that story, we not only learn about and from the pilgrims, we actually learn how to engage the past uh, more effectively in any number of ways. And as I hear you talk, it, it sounds like you feel like the real story of the pilgrims, their gratitude for the harvest, uh, who they were, what they believed, actually has the opportunity to be more meaningful to us than the manufactured story that sort of gets carried through in tradition. Why is that? What is the, the reality of them and their identity and their faith and their thinking? Why is that perhaps more material to us than the social story that we carry? That's, that's a great question, and the answer is long and complicated, but I'll save that for uh, when we actually gather together. Um, what, it, what it boils down to is that we have taken our particular values, our ways of sort of inter, uh, relating to one another uh, in the 20th century and 21st century, and we've projected that back on people who lived 400 years ago. Uh, and so we just sort of see them just like our neighbors next door, although they're wearing funny hats with big buckles, uh, and they, they don't challenge us in, in any way. Uh, but when we go back and encounter the the real story, as I put it, one of the first things that we learn is that the pilgrims would not have called their celebration a Thanksgiving. They had a very different understanding of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was a holy day. Uh, it was a day to be spent in church. It was actually a solemn uh, occasion. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that we have to imitate them, but we ought not to call what we do Thanksgiving and say we're imitating the pilgrims because they would be horrified. If we were with them on that gathering when they were in church, what would we have seen? What we would we have heard from them? Well, so uh, they, first of all, on that fall um, celebration, they wouldn't have been in church because they were celebrating. They just wouldn't have called it a Thanksgiving. I'll talk a little bit in the class about what they would have considered their first uh, Thanksgiving, uh, which actually took place two years later, and it was a response to uh, God bringing uh, refreshing rain after a couple of months of, of drought at the beginning of the crop season. Uh, and we, we hear them describe what they did. They gathered in their meeting house. They had uh, like a public gathering place that served as their church building and other uh, purposes. They gathered and they prayed and they worshiped and they heard a teaching from the scripture. Uh, and uh, report suggests that it would have lasted about eight hours, which is one of the reasons we don't imitate their example so much. 
Well, no wonder we have so much food. They were hungry after eight hours of, <laughs> of being together. Tell us about some of um, the pilgrims' beliefs that might surprise us. They are uh, different from us in so many ways. And we can start by just mentioning some things that will strike us as pretty uh, trivial. But it helps us to just take seriously that, that they're different folks from us. Uh, they didn't believe in church marriage. Uh, and in fact, they thought that devout Christians would not be married by minister. Uh, they um, had weird views about foods. Uh, they were skeptical of water. They were accustomed to water being uh, often unhealthy uh, because they had lived in an urban area for many years before they came uh, to New England. So they were skeptical of water. They loved beer. Uh, they thought swan was a delicacy. They were afraid of tomatoes, thought they were unhealthy. You know, you, you can, you, There's a long uh, list. But then there were other sorts of things. Their view of liberty uh, is so different from ours today. We think of liberty largely as just sort of unrestricted autonomy, and and they would not have thought about that at all. Uh, They thought of liberty as the freedom to do what God requires of us. That's all that they ever understood liberty to mean. So when we take that seriously, uh, we don't have to believe that they're automatically right, but when we wrestle with their views— I think it becomes sometimes difficult for us to come up with good reasons why, why they're wrong. So let's lean into that a little bit. What, what do you feel like their convictions have to, to teach us as we work to follow Jesus in our contemporary setting? Well, I can just answer that question personally. There are so many uh, ways, as I was doing research and uh, working on my book on this topic, so many ways that I personally was challenged and convicted. Uh, This is a group of people that takes the sovereignty of God more seriously than probably almost any individuals I've interacted with uh, in the flesh, Uh, and I found that deeply uh, convicting. Their understanding of the church is more robust uh, than I think most um, modern Christians today would have. Their whole motive for migrating was to keep their church congregation together, and they wanted to migrate as a body. Uh, And they entered into a covenant with one another that I think they took uh, profoundly seriously. And then they just thought about heaven. They thought about heaven in a a way that I think in our relatively prosperous, healthy, uh, modern society, uh, we don't particularly allow our thoughts to go there much. And theirs did chronically. So all those are ways that I found them personally really convicting and challenging. I can imagine there are some people listening to this who are are history buffs, who are thinking about this class and have already made a notation on their calendar. I'm going to be there. This is so exciting to me. It's just a hobby of mine. For somebody who is not in that camp, for somebody who doesn't spend time reading, you know, a biography about President Taft for someone who's not watching documentaries about history, what would be the thing that, that you would want them to take away from this class and, and to wrestle with and, and to engage? Well, first of all, I love uh, interacting with individuals who think history is irrelevant or boring because I see that as part of my life's work, just to convert them, to show them uh, the, the error of their ways. And just a, a couple of thoughts. One uh, is is that if you're at all interested about seeing your own world, our own moment in time clearly, then you have to uh, have a historical perspective. By ourselves, we can't see ourselves. And and I can't put it any more bluntly uh, than that. If uh, we're thinking about listeners who are Christian, who who, uh, take their faith seriously, I also think that we can think of this as part of the idea of the communion of saints. It's a way to take seriously our bond with those uh, Christ followers who have gone before us. If we wanted to be somehow 
mindful of these pilgrim Christ followers who have gone before us as we celebrate Thanksgiving with our families, would there be something that you would say, hey, maybe here's an idea for Thanksgiving Day to kind of bring to the table, both literally and and figuratively, in terms of uh, incorporating into um, our celebration of that day, our marking of that moment, our, our pausing to give thanks to God and to be uh, grateful for his blessings, would you say, hey, maybe one thing we could do, not necessarily to recover this tradition, but to enhance our own experience of the Thanksgiving season, is there anything from the pilgrims that you would encourage us to be mindful of or to incorporate into our celebrations? Great question. Let me just give two quick answers. One for the day itself, uh, and, and I'll be happy to share this quote uh, for anyone who comes to the, uh, to the class. Um, I, I would encourage um, uh, individuals to look for William Bradford's history, which is called a Plymouth Plantation. And it will surprise you. He does not describe the first Thanksgiving. It was not something that was important to him. But he does at length uh, talk about the departure of the pilgrims from Holland uh, as they were leaving for North America, many of them leaving loved ones behind. And he talks about how the the tears were flowing down their cheeks like water, but that they comforted their, themselves and lifted their spirits by reminding themselves that they were pilgrims. Uh, and, and that's a word that we just have uh, emptied of all meaning. We just think it's the people wearing the buckles on their, on their hats. But they meant that this world is not their home, that their hope, like those heroes in, uh, in Hebrews 11, uh, was for another country, a far country that God had prepared for them. The one other thing I would say, just in your, in your life, uh, not just on Thanksgiving Day, the pilgrims actually thought that a Thanksgiving holy day, a true day uh, of worship of God for his gifts, should be spontaneous, not something that you put on the calendar. And I've often thought if I had known that when my children were young, one of the things I would have loved to do would be just to spontaneously say, hey, look at what God has done for us in this. I'm declaring a holiday for this family. And I think that would be fantastic. I think my kids would love that, so long as the holiday included a, a day off of school. Yeah, that's a wonderful idea. Well, Tracy, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm excited about the the class and um, all the places it could go and the conversation that will take place in, in the class. And listeners, as you're thinking about your Thanksgiving holiday, as you're uh, watching the the Thanksgiving-themed marketing come at you, I would encourage you to to be curious. Be curious about who these pilgrims were, about the way that they uh, approach life and faith and the things that they have to teach us today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the More Than Sunday podcast. We'll see you next time.